All right, it's time for our Kegel exercises, Twyla. Yes, it is. And so why do we do our Kegels? Well, it's important for our pelvic health for both men and women. It helps, these exercises help support our pelvic organs in women, the bladder, the vagina, the rectum, the uh, the urethra. And uh, for some people, it uh, can actually improve sexual functioning. Some people say it, it makes orgasms more intense and more frequent. Well, I think that's a good enough reason to Nobody's do it. Nobody's going to argue with that, I don't think. So let's go ahead and do it. Okay. Three. Times a day. Six. Days a week. Nine. Seconds per kegel. And 12. Kegels in a row to make a rep. It's so easy. Just do 12 of these three times a day. When you're doing them, hold it for nine seconds. You will be the envy of your neighborhood. You will have a pelvic floor like a chain link fence, so you will be able to pull a trailer. If you so choose. And don't forget, you can always go to the Gynocast Facebook page and get an infographic, which kind of details out the customizable plan. You can print it out, put it on your fridge. You can put it up in your office. We can share it with your friends. Um, and it's a great resource to have. So Indeed. make sure that you go and do your exercises today. Yes. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gynocast. My name is Dr. Eric Hegard. I am, I am, I'm going to just say it, I'm a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist and i'm sitting here with my beloved partner uh and uh sitting looking at her talking to her who are you oh i'm twyla dang that was nice well that's true we've been Thanks. friends for a while now i know right and it's so nice to be I, I just love doing this with you i love being this is a great excuse to be able to hang out you know i got nothing to say i just i just feel all <laughs> feel all happy oh, now warm and fuzzy i know i feel special <laughs> well so if you're new to the gynocast welcome aboard we are so happy to have you here yes. to talk about the important subjects that we talk about and if you are a repeat listener we are uh, I, I don't want to see even more appreciative but we in, in a way we kind of are because that means you liked what we gave last time you're coming back for more i just like when anybody shows up so if you've been here before thank you if you're new Thank you and welcome. Exactly. Are we doing our gratitudes today? I guess. So we having a we having a where's little, your gratitude journal? Gratitude. I feel like Oprah. So for people who don't know what we do here, what what do we do? We talk about anything and everything women's emotional and physical health and well being. That's right. And that's a broad net that we cast. Yes, we do, but on purpose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so uh we talk about things that a lot of times people want to know about maybe they don't know where to go mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes these topics are can be embarrassing or sensitive and, and maybe not things you want to talk about uh, with your mom or your dad for that matter True. or maybe or maybe you don't want to talk about it over uh, cocktails uh, you know martinis dirty martinis like I don't know twi you don't no. you're so clean living now you don't do anything like that I anymore. drink whiskey well, that's vegan, I suppose. <laughs> it's so close are, so, are, so are cigarettes, I believe, it's aren't they? close enough. I would smoke. I know, but you could, as a vegan, you could smoke. Yeah, tobacco is vegan. You could chew tobacco. Okay? You could engage Ew. in many... Uh, don't email me either. You know you don't want to smoke either. Stop it. <laughs> now I don't even know where we're going. Things, yeah. We talk about things that people need to talk about and, you know, sometimes don't know where. And so what I always say is don't Google gynocast. Oh, I'm just going to leave that right just there because I don't, don't have it figured else. out. Don't I'm, I'm desperately trying to figure out some phrase you can say so you don't see, keep saying gynocast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I haven't figured it out either. So we're going to talk about a topic today that is uh, one of these topics that I think people are talking more about that's incredibly important, not necessarily conversation uh, that is it's a It's a little tough. Company. Yeah, it's, it, a little, it really it's a little tough. It crosses a lot of different... Uh, uh, lines in many ways. We're going to talk about female genital mutilation. Why? Well, because it happens, and it's happening all, all around us, and it's uh, 
if you don't know this, uh, the Gynocast is based out of Minnesota, and uh, we had something in recent months of a case where some young girls were brought to another state where they underwent uh, female genital mutilation. Yeah, I think the I think the thing that was most startling about some of the news that's come out recently was we tend to think of this as something that doesn't happen here. Yeah, exactly. We think it Precisely. happens in foreign countries. We think it happens in other places. We think it's far removed from our experience. And then to have that happen and hit the news and realize that, no, it is happening here. There are people That's that right. are engaging in these practices right here in the United States. It can, it was a little startling. It was very jarring. And it, it made me very determined to go find out more about, um, you know, what it what it is in full, like beyond what I think my understanding of it is, because I think right. we all tend to have sort of a what I like to call um, a news ticker understanding yeah. Yeah. of things where we see it. We see a story on like a morning show or we read a blurb online and we think we understand the issue when well, we really don't. That's right. That's right. So let me give you some basic information here. So this is from the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. So what is female genital mutilation? And that comprises all procedures that involve partial or total removal of the external female genitalia or other injury to the genital organs for non-medical reasons. And so, uh, you know, we've ta- uh, as we talk about on the gynocast, anatomy is important. So what is the external uh, female genitalia? We're talking about the labia, mm-hmm. uh, which are the, the labia minora and majora, uh, which surround the opening to the vagina, which is the tube that goes from the uterus to the outside, there's the, the clitoris, mm-hmm. and then the surrounding uh, tissue around that, the, the mons pubis, which is where the pubic hair is, et cetera. That's the external genitalia. And so female genital mutilations inv- involves altering that. Um, and just some interesting ta- uh, tidbits here. There are more than 200 million girls and women alive today who have been had this sort of cutting. They call it cutting. Uh, and... In more than 30 countries, mostly concentrated in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. But, as we've heard, this is happening here in our own backyard in the United States as well in Western countries. And and so the purpose of the show is, I try not to say to pass judgment, but I am. We're going to, I think that I, we, I will say this, that okay. every, let me, let me clarify here. Yeah. Okay, he sees it. You don't, uh, this is not this, a visual medium, so you don't yeah, see me I raise can, my finger and go. Well, because Bleh. it's, it's hard to, it's hard because we want to be, you know, we are a country of immigrants. We, we need and want to be welcoming and understanding of people's different cultural beliefs. But at some point you have to say, we respect you, but you cannot do this. You can't marry your 10 year old child to an 80 year old. You know, it's not legal. We we have some boundaries. You can't perform. Okay, you know, but okay. you're wait. You're, uh, but you I'm have just, to be careful though, because that's I a know. very wide brush that you're that can be painted to say that on, that only happens in certain populations or in immigrant immigrant populations. That can happen. It can happen anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So we have to be sort of really sort you're, of you're right. Twilight. Thoughtful about the idea of like in in talking about this in particular. I think we're trying to establish a base that says we understand that there are different cultural sensitivities. But that hopefully we can all agree that on the whole, the idea of taking a young girl or a young woman and removing any part of of her of of her genitals for a purpose other than medical feels yeah it's it just it right. feels wrong on many 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 levels. And if we can't do anything but agree that this shouldn't be happening without them being able to consent or you know or decide for themselves they want something like this done. Yes. Is 
is to me not only heartbreaking but should be criminal. I, so. Well, I agree, and, and so I, I I'm not arguing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. But the thing is that we have laws in this country. Yes. And laws that I mean, there are egregious things that are happening to children everywhere. Everywhere. I, you know, mm-hmm. child pornography not legal. We don't have to. We don't have to probably to people coming into our culture who may be new to it have to say, well, this is not right or wrong. You know, this is this is not right. People, I think, pretty much know it. And also, these are established laws in the United States. And so, but when, from people who, from cultures where female genital cutting or mutilation is a fairly common practice, I think, as with other things, you have to say that in our culture, this is not legal, it's not tolerated, and, and, and make sure that that is clear that we are a culture that does not support this sort of thing. Well, do we need to maybe establish sort of the background as we understand it of why it's why this practice happened? That, and, and, absolutely. And so let, there's different forms of female genital mutilation. And so there's there's uh, type 1, type 2, type 3. Type 1 is actually um, almost like the equivalent of a male circumcision, which is actually just remo- removing a little bit of the... Uh, the clitoral hood, the skin overlying the clitoris. So there's not really, uh, there's not really any damage to underlying tissue. So, but what's the, what is the purpose? That would be, uh, probably that's more just sort of, uh, is it just more cosmetic? Or is well, it... I think it's more, it's more just sort of cultural in terms of this whole spectrum of, uh, like a rite of passage or a rite of passage. There's, there are people that believe that, there is some hygienic aspects to it uh, in terms of, of of removing this tissue. Sort of like uh, how circumcision right. works. Okay. Right. And also, uh, historically at least, it's been a way of controlling women's sexuality. Uh, you know, if you remove the clitoris, well, there's less sexual satisfaction, sexual pleasure. Um, and, uh, you know, it has been thought that you could control uh, what the young woman does if she doesn't have this... Right, remove the remove the ability to have the urge, and there is no urge. Right, and so the type one is just a small little uh, removal of clitoral skin, which is you know I, I, not really probably anything that causes any issues as long as it as it goes without a complication. Mm-hmm. Type two involves uh, removing part of the labia, or all the labia, or part or all of the clitoris. Oh. And then the, okay. the third type is the most severe where they do all that, and then they actually sew the labia closed for the most part, basically covering the whole vagina. And so the vaginal opening, I, I saw somebody about three or four months ago, a woman who came in who was in her 40s, and she had some other issues, was just a wonderfully smart, uh, uh, engaging person who obviously had this as a child, and had immigrated to the United States in, uh, you know, 20 years ago or so. And uh, she had a opening into her vagina that was uh, about the size of a pencil. Well, okay, see that? I don't... And this is... And mind you, I'm fully embracing and admitting and putting out here in full my full-tilt American feminist woman self yeah. when i say i don't understand the logic in doing this on any level what 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 purpose does it serve to leave her with an opening the size of a pencil well uh, and this this is where it gets complicated when it, it starts it, it's a complicated conversation because now you're starting to talk about 
uh, in some ways being critical of certain cultural practices. Yeah, and I'm not trying and, to do that. I and, just don't. I don't. And yeah. It's, it's hard. And that's, that's the thing is that there is no medical reason for it. There's nothing that, that's uh, the, the idea that it's, more, uh, that it's more hygienic to have this done. Not true. It, I, I, you can use your own imagination. The right. only reason to do it is to control a woman's sexuality. That is it. You cannot have sex with a hole uh, uh, that's the size of a pencil. And I'm talking, you know, a, 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 the average number two pencils. Yeah. What the, what's that diameter? You know, eight millimeters or something like well, that? Well, I mean, doesn't, I, mean, I guess, and that's part of my complete not fully understanding the purpose of this, because if the purpose is to control women's sexuality on one level, on another level, don't you still want them to be... I mean, are 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 you are you are you trying to eliminate their ability to be wives, to be you know mothers? No, and so so that it depends on the severity of it. But so, uh, you know, this this way it allows the husband to know that her his his wife is a virgin, and then and then they open up that they open up that opening. Okay, okay, you know, with with something right, you know, sharp. Yikes. And so, or it breaks, breaks open at the time of intercourse, which Yikes. is, you know, be very painful. So, um, and so it's just, uh, you know, there's, there are parents, you know, you know, this as well as I do, yeah. Twyla, no matter where you are in the world, you love your kids. You yeah. are, people do this because they think it's the right thing to do, that it offers their children advantages. Well, it's historical and it's, it's exactly. passed down. I mean, we, we have, we have traditions here that have been passed down and, Precisely. you know, may, maybe not, you know, sort of physical traditions in this respect, yeah. but we do, I mean, we, we have the debate here about circumcision and whether it's necessary or required, yeah. um, you know, and, and in many respects, we, we all have cultural traditions traditions that we have passed down repeatedly that at some point people question it or at some point social norms change and those traditions change this that's just right. happens to be something that's far more deeply entrenched in the cultures that it comes in from. that's right that's right and it's uh and so it is really it's it's a very hard thing to see and uh and these women tend to be you know the hard thing too is that they tend to be they tend to be embarrassed by it oftentimes most of the time not all the time Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I've had, um, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me to put it back together again. And sometimes we take them down. Okay. So open it up. Um, at the time of childbirth, of course, it's going to tear. And so that can be, and at the time, uh, given how, you know, how restricted it is. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I don't believe I've ever had any woman ask me to, to sew it back up. Um, but. You know, the American, the, actually, the political stance on this is from a woman's rights perspective is that if a woman has a circumcision and the opening of the vagina is scarred close, for example, and it either you open it up for one reason or the other, if she requests to have it closed again, we're supposed to do it. And okay. that's her right. It's her body. Right. Yeah. But uh, the issue really, of course, is that these are this, these procedures tend to be done on children, virtually always children, less than 15 years old. They tend, in, in other countries, they tend to be done in situations where they may not be anesthetic and not uh, terribly clean. And that's just assuming if you want to just do the, the procedures correctly or, or in a safe way, that has nothing to do with whether you should do them at all, which is no. Right. And so, um, 
you know, it really is it's trouble. And the the interesting thing is that it tends to be performed by the women in the in the family or the or the group. And so, uh, oftentimes, there can sometimes be celebrations involved, sort of as a as a rite of passage. Right. Said, right. Or, but uh, stories I've read, at least, is that it can be very terrifying, and that the children are taken; they don't know what's going on. And of course, it's uh, extremely painful and. Uh, dangerous, and so you know there there can be immediate complications such as pain, bleeding, tissue swelling, fevers, infections, of course, poor wound healing, and you know there have been situations where children actually die. Uh, the issues, but you know even beyond that, the long term complications, issues with the bladder, issues with um, vaginal infections, the ability to pass menstrual blood. Oh yeah, and, and this you know it's. Um, uh, sexual problems, of course, um, and then when you get into you know as as people move from one society to another, of course, there tends to be uh, at least my experiences and i 've read about this too that there there can be a sense of shame in women uh, in this country who, having uh, now been exposed to other options, realize that they don 't want to do this to their own children, for example right, which and, creates sort uh, of a sort of a you know a, a, a psychological crisis exactly you know so, in that respect that's right and also they it can lead to a barrier between uh, these women and seeking medical care because they may be embarrassed to come in they may uh, not feel comfortable with perhaps being judged by the medical community yeah and so it really is it's it's a it's a very difficult thing and um, you know it's hard enough to be dealing with women who've had this done on themselves and the complications related to that but you know the really the really difficult thing is when you see this being perpetuated again on another generation when we really should all be knowing we should all know better and um you know again i want to emphasize there is no medical benefit to this none only risk of complications and only damage i think that's the most important thing to point out is that there's no medical benefit in having this procedure done no. that i mean i'm I already had a hard enough time wrapping my brain around it as a woman. And I have, I I mean, I'm somebody's mom and the idea, I, and I am a mother of daughters and the idea yeah. that on any level I would put my daughters at risk of heaven knows how many complications or just the pain of, you know, something like this is something that is not just abhorrent to me but completely foreign it's not a part of my makeup it's just not a part of who i am to be able to do this and of course because for you and for most of us in our culture here we see that there's no benefit to the to the daughters but in other cultures historically it it protects them it allows them to be married right and that's the and and the thing is i think that's where the real sort of um sort of dichotomy of thinking comes from is the idea of how do you go about understanding this without assigning um, a, a very large scale sense of sort of indignation and anger at people right. in a community when you when you logically understand that they think they're doing the right thing. That's right. You know, like it's is sometimes it's sometimes it's easy to see something you think that you would can personally consider, you know, unjust or evil and go, that's evil. And you can see and on the surface it's just it's just black and white. It makes sense. On one level this makes it's it it makes sense you don't put a child in pain you don't put a child through this that just makes that part of it very black and white but then you get into this very odd gray area of in this culture if this doesn't happen what happens to that child exactly in this culture what happens to a woman or a wife or a mother who refuses to do this to a child or who refuses it for themselves how you know how does how does someone who 
in many of these countries who isn't allowed to get beyond, you know, an elementary education, if that survive, if they're cast out or put aside or, you know, or, you know, publicly marked as having not gone through this. I mean, there's so many odd, you know, terrible, um, you know, complicated social complications that play into this as well. That's right. And so, you know, it's, it's important for us to be understanding of this. And from a medical standpoint, for practitioners to know what's going on and the possible complications related to that. But I think from an education standpoint, it's important that we say there is no benefit to this, only harm from a physical and medical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And also as a culture in the United States, uh, I think most of us like to think that we are moving forward in terms of greater freedom and greater equality for genders uh, and different people of all races that we all hopefully can get equal equal opportunity. And so, I, again, I think it's important that we educate ourselves and people who are coming here that this is not legal and uh, and that the, the, the repercussions in terms of parents who do this and doctors, doctors who perform the surgery, which is what's happened to these doctors and this other well, state, that, I think that, that's, they, they, that, are, that are truly criminal. This cannot be a slap on the hand. Yeah, this, this, that's huge. The is, idea that if it's happening in the United States and these are doctors who are operating under United States guidelines, under our law, and doing something that is outright stated as being criminal in the United States. That's so right. if you're doing this and they catch you, and I hope they catch every single one of you, yeah. Then yeah, you you, need you throw lose the, your license. You you're going the, to jail. You throw the entire book at them. You That's know, right. it, you you make sure that you make it as as non advantageous as possible to continue to attempt to do this. That's right, and I, and also in in different communities where there may be more likely to have this done, it's important that people communicate with each other. And I think we've seen that there's been a lot of. Uh, activity among certain communities as they're trying to themselves say, we do not agree with this. Mm-hmm. We do not agree that this should be done to our children. And so it's not like, uh, at least from what I've read, there's a lot of resistance among um, different immigrant communities or communities that aren't immigrants here in, uh, in the United States that are agreeing that this is not a, uh, a benefit. Support for the Gynocast is provided by OBGYN West. OBGYN West provides the highest quality care from compassionate providers, including women's health issues from general sexual health to pregnancy care, childbirth, menopause, and beyond. Whether it's your teen's first annual exam, a new baby's on the way, or you're facing the special challenges of middle age, OBGYN West provides a wide array of services. Their doctors and PAs are trained in virtually every type of OBGYN service and procedure. OBGYN West provides exceptional care for women. Now, I think it's really important sort of at this juncture of the conversation where we've laid out a bit of the landscape to kind of talk to our benevolent friends out there. Because I know you. I can be you at times. You think you know something. You've learned a little something. You're indignant to the point of wanting to take action. Um you need to be very careful and thoughtful about how you take action. Uh, action can be working with an organization. Action can be donating to an, yeah. to an organization that, that knows how to engage these issues. Action is not deciding on your own that you should personally educate somebody that you think might be involved in this. Or if you have information that you think someone is doing this or has done this or has been engaged in this, that you feel like you need to swoop in with your white cape and educate them on their culture, educate them on what's the right thing to do. Yep. Not your place. That's it's right. it's absolutely not your place. Part of being a good human is being an empathetic human and understanding that while you may know something 
you know, intellectually, you may feel something emotionally. It might not necessarily be your place to interject yourself into a situation. That's right. A lot of times being a quote unquote ally means being supportive of an issue without inserting yourself into the middle of it as the savior of the issue. And that's super, super important. And I know this is a lesson I personally try to make sure I practice all the time. When I'm, I have so much knowledge from working on the gynocast. I have so much knowledge that I didn't have before from working with Dr. E that it can be very easy to find myself in situations where I'm saying, Oh, well, I think that's this. You need to go do this. Not my place. Yep. Be supportive. Be a listener. Be an active participant in organizations who understand and have have created a structure that will actually impact change. You can't necessarily don't don't be that one person riding in on a white horse with a bunch of opinions and no ability to act. That's right. You know, you it's it's super important that you that you turn your empathy ears on, that you that you go get educated, that you understand the landscape. But if you really do feel compelled to act, take the next step and act in the right way. Yeah. Don't just jump in and insert yourself into situations or insert yourself and in, in, in insert your opinions in particular right. into situations. Do your research. Google can be your friend sometimes. That's research right. organizations. Go find somewhere where you can help. Ask people that you think are knowledgeable how is best how best to help in a situation like this. Don't just decide. I mean, I think a lot of us a lot of us make the mistake of being sort of armchair therapists and armchair experts at things. Right. And that is not our role. Even my role here on the gynocast is being the quote unquote big mouth girl with opinions um, ends at the point where if I really believe in something and I really want to, to affect change in something, one, I'm lucky that I get to be in an environment with you, an educated, knowledgeable doctor about health issues. But I, I do take it a step further. I will go find an organization if I feel compelled and, and, volunteer when we put things in the syllabus i make sure i read the things in the syllabus and follow up and you know and ask those questions if i'm going to put my money behind a cause i will make sure i vet that cause and make sure that it's something that i really believe in there are there are very simple everyday ways you can help in these situations if you really believe in them and you want to help but the worst thing that you can do is decide that you know better than everybody and become super benevolent in your opinion and try to inf- enforce or impart your will and your opinion on other people without fully understanding situations. That's right. And we're in our syllabus about the show, we'll have resources that you can go to. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple more things I want to just address before we close this out. I want to tell a few stories just to kind of illustrate kind of what a little bit more about this. So okay. one one is I just want to fill in this uh, patient I was talking to you about. Mm-hmm. This woman comes in, she had some abnormal bleeding, abnormal uterine bleeding, which requires being able to samp- sample the inside of the uterus because it could be cancer. Right. Right. And so, uh, and so as we're talking, she discloses to me, she said, I have, I've had female genital circumcision. Um, and so we do in her exam and I find, of course, that there's the opening to her vagina is the size of a pencil eraser. And so, you know, that, and then she gets dressed and we're talking and obviously we're going to have to figure out how we're going to kind of work around this. But, uh, and I ask her, well, how, how, uh, you know, how do you evacuate menstrual blood? And she said, it just pools there and kind of leaks out. And the, and additionally that urine is the same way. Her urethral opening, she urinated, it's basically a little sack so she urinates into this oh, this sack, and then that leaks out this little hole, and so does menstrual blood. And you can imagine, just imagine in your mind, the potential complications related that to that. Heart. Yeah, urinary tract infections, uh, perhaps uterine infections, vaginal infections, pain, 
um, and and obviously the uh, difficulty in terms of sexual function. She uh, had never been sexually active. <clears throat> we spent quite a bit of time going over anatomy, and because I, I had to tell her how we would try to get into her uterine cavity, which right. would involve having to open up the part of her where they had the the labia minora, the small lips surrounding the vaginal opening. Are, were sutured together. You have to open that up right. so you can get in there. So we had to talk about just the anatomy of normal uh, external genitalia, including the clitoris and that sort of thing. And and I I was so impressed. And I, and she I just I, I you know I don't mean to sound this. It almost sounds a little patronizing, but she was so engaging in terms of wanting to learn and and curious about her own body, which is what we try to do here on the Gynocast. And so uh, on her exam, there was, there was a, I could feel that there was part of the clitoral shaft that was still present. And so, and, and as you know, the clitoris is actually much bigger than we, uh, yeah, than we were, yeah. It actually extends, you know, kind of back like the shaft of a penis and that extends uh, kind of in a Y-shaped formation along the pubic bone on either side. So I told her that I, th- I thought that she had remaining clitoris that she could probably have pleasurable intercourse if that's what she chose to do mm-hmm. and um and so we talked about how we were going to open things up and i said would you uh you know do you want me to put it back together and she she said i think she may have actually said this hell no <laughs> you know <laughs> and so the reason i bring this up is is to is actually to have people try to imagine what that is like to have that done to your body you're not urinating out of your urethra you're you're urinating out of your urethra into a sack that's been created and it's dribbling out the bottom from a, uh, a small hole menstrual blood is coming into there and then how if you were in a relationship and you wanted to be sexually active how would you do that you would have to cut that open and i can tell you that you know in more traditional societies they don't have lidocaine or novocaine it gets cut by whatever sharp thing is available well, yeah I mean, um, and that's, I mean, uh, you know, just, and uh, it is hard, but we just got to. And so the reason I bring this up is that for women who've had this procedure done, it can be reversed, meaning you can open up the opening and you don't you don't have to sew it closed again unless the woman wants. And also for people who think, well, there's there, there's no possibility of any sexual satisfaction because the clitoris is gone. Well, oftentimes there's part of the clitoris that's still there. And so there these women may be able to have um you know, a satisfying sexual relationship, you know, even though they've had this procedure performed. And as we know, sexuality is complicated anyway, and it's not, you know, people enjoy sexual intimacy for a lot of different reasons. Well, I feel like what you're saying overall here is that even in situations like this, that there, you know, that, that, that there's still hope in these situations. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, so there's, there's, there's things to be done to help rectify some of the issues they may be causing. So, you know, if you've had this done to you, please get in to see your provider. We have, you know, those of us who practice in women's health and do, you know, who are gynecologists, we have seen everything, mm-hmm. including what you have had done. And we will talk to you respectfully about it, about how to, how to uh, follow your wishes and try to make things the way you want it to be and manage your health care. Um, and so don't don't be afraid of us. But the only thing that I would suggest is, as we've talked about at the beginning of the show, this is not something you want to perpetuate on the next generation. Now let me see, show, say, uh, read what the Women's World Health Organization says about female genital uh, mutilation, mm-hmm. and we'll end with this. Okay. 
At least I'm going to end with it unless you have something else to say. (laughs) I will defer to you, sir. Female genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights of girls and women. A violation of human rights. And I'd like to think that we still care about that. It It reflects deeply rooted inequality between the sexes and constitutes an extreme form of discrimination against women. It is nearly always carried out on minors and it is a violation of the rights of children. The practice also violates a person's right to health, security, and physical integrity, and the right to be free from torture and cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment, and the right to life when the procedure results in death. And so look at our syllabus. You can get more information on this. It's important to educate ourselves and to be respectful of people who have different beliefs and so, uh, but we got to, we got to put an end to this. So please, uh, vid- uh, I think we talked about our Facebook group, so we don't, yeah, have to, we don't group. have to be, we don't have to beat that dead horse anymore, do we? Uh, no, let's ma'am. Let's not call it a dead horse. I don't think it's exactly Well, I don't want to beat a live horse. horse. That would be cruel. I don't want to beat any horses. How about that? That's true. I just say, if you haven't done it, we did talk a little bit at the beginning of the show, but if you haven't joined and you'd like to, just go to Facebook, type in The Gynocast. The Gynocast. And then you can ask to join the page. We'll vet you very quickly. You'll be a part of the wonderful discussions, um, the support group that is provided there. You can even ask questions of us for The Gynocast show um, by clicking the send message option and putting out your your questions there. If you need a little more anonymity, that's probably the best option for you. Otherwise, um, we appreciate it as always that you're listening and we appreciate all the support. Please cast a wide net. Ex- expose the rest of the world uh, to our little our little family, the Gynocast. Become part of the family if you're not part of it now. And uh, let's get everybody in- involved. Let's make this world a better place for everybody. Absolutely. But we have to start with women because that's what the, 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 the show is about. But we all know, Twyla, you know this, and I know yes. this, that healthy women make for healthy families. Healthy families make for healthy cities and towns and societies and a healthy world. It has to start with it. Educated women, we know this. If you educate girls, everything gets better. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Thank you.